0: that generally over the church um, world, if you like, it's known as Pentecost Sunday. Um, It's been evident in our songs we've had this morning. Um, And um, we're going to just focus on that this morning, Um, the fact that it is Pentecost Sunday. But um, as a church, we're looking at sort of a mini-series entitled The uh, Fountain of Goodness. The Fountain of Goodness. And um it's sort of uh it I just remind it's not gin at the back, so there's no rush for the water, right? For the for it, okay, it's clear, but there you go. If it was, we'd all be getting up and going. Are oh, seated comfortably now? That's good. It's quite all right. We're relaxed here, we're just family, you know? Don't be uncomfortable. Did I just say to anybody this morning, don't feel uncomfortable, yeah? If you're too hot, there's windows to open, you know, and if you really get thirsty, there's more water outside. Cold? anybody cold? No? That's a good place to begin, isn't it? Because the, the Holy Spirit is one of his names is the Comforter. It, that in its sense is a title which exudes so much the world we live in um is not a place where we can rest spiritually so much sometimes and we, we just need the greater power of god with us and the wonderful thing about knowing jesus is we can come to know the holy spirit who can like jesus said i will send you another comforter he was a comforter jesus was a sense he brought a sense of security, a sense of purpose and, and a sense of understanding to people's lives. That's a tremendous thing. Minds that couldn't understand God now began to understand him. and That's a wonderful thing about Jesus when he was here. But uh, we live in an age now when God has, in God's plan Jesus has gone back to heaven and, uh, and we're here and Jesus determined and God determined a time when we should have an experience of Jesus without him being here present. And that was in the power of the Spirit of God, who Jesus said, he's my gift to you. Gift. A gift. And um, when Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, he, he, he spoke in the terms that there will be people who would, in a sense, be spiritually thirsty and would need something more. And I think we're all of the opinion, you know, we can go to a tremendously good party, and um, yet we wake up the next morning, especially if it's a hangover or something like that, you can feel really awful, and you can actually feel more dead than you are alive. But so there's more to there's more to life. Um, My first point this morning about um, my little talk is to um, is to just be making ourselves aware of God's Holy Spirit making ourselves aware of God's Holy Spirit. So we're talking about the fountain of goodness, God which exudes from the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, so in a sense, we're today we're just, I'm just emphasizing that we need to be aware of the Holy Spirit of God as a person of God manifest today in our generation for our benefit for us to know more and to be more than we are just at the present. And it's actually a personal reception of the Holy Spirit himself which actually can bring us into that place. Now, if you just look over the church today, uh, the, the generally the church, I mean if you look at the tele, if you listen to the television, watch what things are on television, A, the church is actually a point of ridicule and it's used a lot for comedy. We're not, we don't mind comedy. We don't mean laughed at, because it's just church is such a funny place to be sometimes, and there's funny things go on in church. But it's become more than that. It's a sort of ridicule comedy. Is is that what God ever intended? No, I don't. And the church is actually mocked for what it is. It's also abused. And sadly, we've seen so many Christian leaders actually abusing the position that they have, yeah? And none of us can ever say that we'd never let the others down like that. So there needs to be things in place, you know, that actually prevent those sort of things happening. They're not the things that God ever intended for his church to be, a place of ridicule. The church is meant to be a place where God is honoured, People are secure, and people actually find out who they are in God, real people. And um, it's the Holy Spirit that he deliver this power and understanding. But I think you'll agree with me that largely, looking over the church, uh, our picture is, not, is very much Father and Son, and, well, we don't understand the Holy Spirit. Would, would you... Have that sort of mentality, you know? We hear him mentioned, but we don't know really what it's all about. And I've got some little things here. You can buy a twin pack. Yeah? These things are on offer in our supermarkets, yeah? You can buy a twin pack. And things very often go in pairs. We had a present given to us of two coat hooks with heart shape, and they go together. And... um in pairs. Lots of things are in pairs, they come in pairs, and salt and pepper, yeah, salt and pepper, they sort of pairs and things go together, but so that we are aware today, I'm actually speaking about the Holy Spirit, because the Trinity is actually God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've got a Bible, I'm just going to read to you the commission that Jesus gave before he left in Matthew 27. Right, at the very end, it's entitled The Great, the great Commission. 28. Pardon, 28, sorry, yes, that's a, you are right, that's right. Well, I know you're right, John, you always are. That's right, that's fine. So we we can we we can have fun with numbers this morning as well. Um, so um, right, it, it actually Matthew, did, did. You hear that? Matthew twenty eight, right, and verse ten, verse sixteen. Sorry. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said. Very often the phrase goes like this, and and, um, it's in prayers, and so it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But you'll notice that we read today that it's in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. There's a complete unity there, an identity which sometimes we don't appreciate, the church doesn't appreciate, and... Individuals don't appreciate sometimes that the Holy Spirit is all-inclusive to God's manifestation and work in the earth, and specifically for the church. There's a man called Sir Arthur Eddington, and he explained this, we often think that when we have completed our study of one, we know all about two, because two is one and one. You're looking very blank. (laughs) So it goes a bit like this. If we had two identical... Take this box of tissues here. If I understood, you know, all about this box of tissues, and uh, I understood all about that one, then I don't need anything more to understand because I've understood them separately in identity. But what we're saying is here, we've forgotten to understand the point of and. But the Holy Spirit is actually part of the Godhead, an inclusive part of the Trinity. So when we have these offers in the supermarket, there's another offer which I haven't mentioned. And that's three for the price of two. So when it comes to Christmas time, you go and you see these offers, and they are offers. They are offers. They are offers. To get you to buy more. Yeah? Now, there's a simple word of instruction here God has given and sent His Holy Spirit that we might buy more, that we might have more of God. That's an offer. But it's an offer you can't refuse. But it's also an offer that the church has put on hold on side and said, well, we don't really know if we need the Holy Spirit. We, he's become a theological necessity, because he's mentioned in the Bible, but knowing him as a person, well, you, you sit over there. You sit over there. And I hope that we as a church, you naturally include the person of the Holy Spirit what we do, who we are, and how we're known. And if you ask Anthony at Christ Church, he will call us the charismatic church. It's not the best explanation, but it means that we actually are aware that the Holy Spirit, as part of the Godhead, exists for a reason to give purpose and life to his people and to the gathered church in in particular. So we need to remember the and. need to remember the and. You say it's not important. It is important. Because we might understand one, and we might understand one, and the two together make two, but there's more. There is more, and it's the and. And it's the fact that I need to be drawn in to the fountain of goodness, which is actually a personal experience with the Holy Spirit himself. That's how we're drawn into it. We can know it as a theological necessity, but to be actually drawn into the fountain of goodness, to know God. I mean, how would you describe church life in our country? Just to take our country, would you, you could put them in sort of two classes, dead and alive. Didn't you? Why is that? Now, last week, um, or oh what's his name, Dave Creasy from Maidstone, he told us there were forty thousand people in Herne Bay. There are actually fifty-eight, In two thousand and twelve there were fifty-eight thousand. Because Rosemary told me he didn't get his numbers right. So I went this morning and had a look on the website, and there are actually fifty-eight. Well it's it's bordering on fifty-nine thousand. That's a lot of people here. If we say, and he also gave us a statistic last week, which was 80% of the people in Herne Bay have written down on a piece of paper and said that they're Christian. That means there's 40,000 people for a church in Herne Bay today. Now, I don't think there's one building in Herne Bay that can accommodate 40,000 people, 47,000 people, can you? But I would say this, and it's a bold statement, I would say, if the people that called themselves Christians knew the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, they'd be in church today. Because a lot of people aren't there today because they've become... It's not meant anything. It's not meant anything. And I just want to tell you this morning, in knowing the Holy Spirit personally, it will then mean something to us, because Jesus said, to have the Holy Spirit is to have life. Does that mean that half the church is actually killing off the Christians? It is. I was actually personally part of that in my, my life as a Christian, where the doctrine was this, well, it's a theological necessity, we need to believe in the Holy Spirit because he's part of the Trinity, but we're not having him in our church. Because there are specific things which actually identify the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in a church or in a community of people. And we're going to look at that in a moment. So my first point is awareness. It's to bring us into a, a new understanding, a fresh understanding that the Holy Spirit of God is a present and a personal reality for each of us. But it may only be if we ask him to be so. We invite the Holy Spirit into our life. We may have asked Jesus to be our saviour. We may have asked being baptised or confirmed or actually made it known to other people that we want to be Christian. But there it's something only in the past. And you want to renew that. You want to refresh that. You want to live in the fulfilment of that. And say, I want it to mean something to me now. the Bible should you turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and I, I just want to take time as we as we read this together. I um, need to put it in context a little because Luke is the writer, and he's telling us what happened um, from the perspective of the church as it had been uh, brought about on the day of Pentecost. Uh, just to remind you, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and the Holy Spirit came on a group. Of people, all right, in a sense, the group of people was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but there is more to that as we read on, because the Holy Spirit comes upon people and um, Jesus had said and, and I read in matthew twenty eight and he said that the gospel message was to be preached in Jerusalem and in Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. So the good news of Jesus has come to us in here, Herne Bay. 80% Christians. It's come to here, Herne Bay, and uh, we we just love that because Christianity was actually received here on these grounds here in Herne Bay one day. That's a real privilege. What could Herne Bay be without Jesus Christ? Who knows? that the day came when the message was received in Herm Bay. And we're actually continuing that on. And that's a privileged place to be. So we can thank God too for his purposes. So the gospel message went from Jerusalem and Judea to Samaria and then to the outermost parts of the earth. So Luke is recording that progress. When we come to chapter 8, we're going to read that a man called Philip who wasn't an apostle, he was just an ordinary Christian who had received the Holy Spirit, and a man who was actually filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, he went to Samaria because the Christian church was being persecuted and it had been scattered, and so Philip ended up in Samaria. And so if we go to chapter 8 and verse 4, We read those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many and many paralytics and cripples were healed. And this is the comment, and he says, so there was great joy in the city. There was great joy in the city. You know, last week, Dave Creasy said to us, why don't you love Herm Bay? If we really turned around, and I'm not saying we don't, but, you know, a real love from Herne Bay, that there might be joy in this town. Well, not the sadness... And the dissension in families. And the problems and the heartaches that there are. They are experiences of life. But you know there can be joy even though we experience those sort of things. There can be joy in a city. And we might pray today that there might be joy in Herm Bay. That people might be healed. People might be set free from whatever's what's holding them. And they might know a joy. Happiness depends on happenings. I think Fred has said that in the past. Happiness depends on happenings, but joy is from the Holy Spirit, and we can't work it up because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. You say, "I've never known joy. I've been happy on occasions, but I've never known joy." Would you? You can have it today. By receiving the Holy Spirit. You can have joy. It's only known through knowing the Holy Spirit of God. It's a spiritual thing. Happiness comes because of happenings. Joy comes as a result of knowing the Holy Spirit. It's different. It's been said about Christians, not all of them, I mean... I've had customers who've told my son I'm a miserable git. (laughs) Why they told my son that, I don't know. I don't feel miserable. (laughs) One one of them lives just up the end of this road here. I'm serious. And that's how people perceive me sometimes as a miserable old git. Well, you know, grumpy old men and all that, the television tells us. But in here I'm not. I think you know I'm not. Yeah, Liz are the old, that's right? Yeah. And so, but my son's lovely. You know, he all speaks the truth. But um, and the other day I was was on. I was look, both looking at a job together. And he said, "Why don't you cheer up?" He said, "Why don't Why don't you be more friendly with the people?" <laughs> well, I do try my best, but maybe I don't come across like that. But joy is a different thing. Joy doesn't always manifest itself, but it's in here, because it's spiritual. Knowing the Holy Spirit deals with spiritual things. When Jesus was here, although he lived his life by the Spirit of God, he was very practical, and he went with people and did things, but there's something more. And that's why the Holy Spirit was given, to deal with people who are body, soul and spirit. I would rephrase that because I believe that the soul is the body and the spirit perfectly and unbrokenly joined together. The difference is now that if we hurt, our spirit is affected. And some people who have bitterness in their lives manifest physical things which they suffer because there's this cone thing. You know? Because there is. And it's because of sin we're spiritually dead. It means that the spirit is not working in harmony with our bodies. I think you you understand that, don't you? You know, if we hurt, we feel sad. So that's the interconnection. But being born again of the spirit and knowing Jesus Christ as the saviour in this life is actually building to restore that and bring about a perfect unity between body and spirit. When God created man... He formed him from the dust of the earth and then he breathed into him the breath of life and man became a living soul. That's what creation tells us. God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and then he became a living soul. After that, because of disobedience, the two were sort of separated and there was no harmony between body and spirit. In the New Age, which John mentioned this morning, the time when Jesus comes... Our bodies will be raised from the dead and the Spirit will rejoin our bodies. Then we shall be perfect. That is perfect. Do you know you're going to be perfect? Amen. But do you, do you sense a dissension between your body and spirit sometimes? I bet you do, if I'm thinking to you. But knowing the Holy Spirit helps to rebuild our lives and brings us to restore. And so there was great joy in the city, going back to my point. Great joy in the city. We used to sing a chorus, Do you want joy? Real joy. And I think I would ask that question this morning and say to each of you this morning, Do you want this joy? Because it's known by knowing the Holy Spirit. Let's read on. Verse 9. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city, And amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. When they believed, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Let's just pause there. Philip had come and he preached both the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And the people actually responded to that and were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is such a brilliant place to be because a people, when, when Dave said to us last week, love Herm Bay, and I was reading this passage, I went to what the Bible tells us about Samaria and what the Jews thought about them. They didn't like the Samaritans, the Jews. They're very much like that day in a lot, lot of ways, but that's that's another story. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They didn't love them. But here was Philip, and he goes, he said, they need to know the love of God. They need to understand more, and so I go and tell them about Jesus. I go and tell them about the kingdom of God, and the people actually responded to that message and I just want to ask each of us this morning have we ever responded to the message that we need Jesus Christ as our saviour if we haven't it's a place we need to visit a place we need to go is to accept Jesus Christ as our saviour and maybe the 80% in Herne Bay have not actually done that in person but they want to identify with something and they want to say that they, well, I believe in Jesus, and I believe that he's, he died on a cross, and I believe that he did all this. And uh, I just take it on, sort of almost superficially. But they want to identify with something. So uh, there, is, there is some value in identifying with Jesus Christ, you know, and what he did. But the point comes when we need to be baptised. And uh, sometimes it's confirmation, I mean, the biblical model is given to us as being baptised, being immersed in water. But if we stand publicly before God and and identify ourselves with Jesus Christ, that's being baptised, yeah? It's saying, I need a saviour, I know what he's done for me, and therefore I decide to be baptised. And so we identify with that. Forget Philip the sorcerer for a moment... Let's read at verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. You say, do I need to do that? Yes, you do. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. I think if we're looking at the church and seeing well there's that part that's dead and that part's alive or the church hasn't meant anything to me in the past or it's empty or I think there's something more but I'm not quite sure what it is that's on offer. I think this is the point we're at is actually to ask and receive the Holy Spirit of God. I've done that several times here in the past and people have done that. We can go on doing church, we can be rigorous in it, we can do it almost without fall all of us doing our duties. We can keep it going, we can fuel it, but it on our own strength. And will it actually achieve anything in the end if it's people aren't happy and there's no joy in the city? And I'm not experiencing a power in my life that does something for me. And so they travelled the 30-odd miles from Jerusalem on a dusty road through the mountains because they thought we just need to tell them about the Holy Spirit. And that's the point of this morning. I just need to tell you about the Holy Spirit. I've only come just a few yards up the road. But I just want to make us aware of God's Holy Spirit for us, each of us, personally. He wants to be in you this morning, to give you something, a life which you really want, that you've never experienced before. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He came. You know? Awareness, availability. The Jews might have thought they had a monopoly on God, and they did up to a point, because God told them that it had. But that wasn't in God's intention that they should stay hold of it the intention was that the whole world should have it. And they failed in that duty. So Jesus came, and he died for us, and he gave his life for us that the whole world might know and have him and receive new life from him. And so Peter and John came all the way down from Jerusalem to tell them that they too could have the Holy Spirit. Now... At Pente- on the day of Pentecost, you know, the Holy Spirit came on them as a group. But here, they prayed for them individually, that they might receive individually the Holy Spirit. And that way, they were realizing that I'm aware now that the Holy Spirit is personally for me. He's also for the body of the church, and he oversees that but he's also for us personally. And that's where the difference is really, is that we as people sometimes fail to realise that the Holy Spirit constantly wants to be in us and making us different and giving us the new life which Jesus has made available for us. So awareness for the Holy Spirit today, availability, availability. There's no time There's no time in our lives when we can't turn to the Holy Spirit and say, I want to receive the fullness and the gift and to be baptised, renewed in the Holy Spirit. I want to have that what's on offer. The twin packs, the three for two, I want what's on offer. And I know this morning, as I'm speaking, you want what's on offer. Religion can go on for years and years and years and years and years, but new life in Jesus Christ can be yours today through knowing and receiving the Holy Spirit. What's on offer then? Okay, I'm going to term this the anticipation. We've had awareness, we've had availability, and now it's the anticipation. So if you turn to Galatians chapter 6, what should we expect by receiving the Holy Spirit of God. Remember, he's the Spirit of God, so he's going to deal with spiritual things, which will then affect other things in my life, how I act and how I react. Galatians comes after Corinthians, and it's the last chapter in that book. Galatians 5, verse 20. I told you six, didn't I? I'm getting all chapters mixed up this morning, but there you go. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's a good one to start with, isn't it? It's a spiritual thing. Have you noticed that? It has practical outworkings, but it's a spiritual thing. It's like the joy, it's in here. You have difficulty in trying to love someone who's harmed you in some way. How do you get over that? It's a spiritual thing. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. That's a thing Herne Bay needs. You go in Morrison's when the old people are doing their shopping and see whether Herne Bay needs patience or not. Go back, mate. Go back to the end of the queue. Patience. Patience, oh yes. That's funny. I was generally a patient person, but the older I get, I get impatient. Is that right, love? I'm getting more impatient the older I get. That's right, absolutely, it is. So the fruit of the Spirit is patience. And when it gets difficult... Call out the Holy Spirit because He's a spirit that's dwelling in us. He then actually gets hold of our spirit. He says, Calm down, old lad. You know, calm down. Just wait your turn. <laughs> Gentleness, verse 23. Self control. Self control. So the person said, I just can't help doing that. It just takes me over. I wish I could stop doing that. I wish I could stop doing that. Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't said that. Self-control. That's a tremendous gift of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Ooh. Self-control. Against things, there's no law. And Paul adds that because the Jewish people and largely the what they were trying to do was to make people obey a list of rules. You can't do it. We can't do it. Because of our sinful nature, we can't do it. But here we go, against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nation with its passions and desires since we live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if we have acknowledged the Spirit of God and we've even said that we've been baptised with the Holy Spirit and read the Holy Spirit, that's just an encouragement to us to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. You can't really go wrong if we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, it just means I'm keeping up my communication with God. I'm having short accounts with God and I'm letting him... Deal with my life. I'm letting him work in my life with patience and self-control. I'm letting him do this for me. Keep in step with the Spirit. We need that reminder this morning. Keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Such things happen even in churches. We don't get on sometimes. But if we're going to be honest with the Holy Spirit living within us, we will actually deal with these things and put them right and make sure we understand the power of God in our lives. Now, that's very much the individual. What should I expect? What is my anticipation of the Holy Spirit being in my life? That's the anticipation that he's going to make some changes. Yeah? He's going to make some changes for the fountain of goodness flowing out of the triune God, making of people what they really want to be when they hate themselves. You know, so many people in this world hate the day they were born. When Job was suffering, he hated the day. You've heard of Job, I expect, in the Bible. And he hated the day he was born. You know, God wants to release you from that. This part of being made a new creation in Christ, to love yourself. You can't love anybody else until God helps you to love yourself. That's a spiritual thing that you can't do, but only the Holy Spirit can do. You turn over to 1 Corinthians 12, that's in our lives personally. Now we see how this should affect the church as a gathered community. 1 Corinthians 12. Within the church, um, there should be a manifestation of spiritual gifts. Wasn't it lovely when the husband and wife worked together this morning? Ray brought a tongue. You didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. But it was actually a gift given by the Spirit of God. And then Dorothy interpreted it. Um, That was the interpretation that for all God has done in my life, I will worship him. That was the understanding of the message Now, the two go in tandem because the Bible talks about the gift of tongues and when it is given, okay, it needs interpretation. And that's what we aim to do in the church. We're now looking at the church, the gathered community, and we expect, you say, I don't understand tongues, I don't want anything to do with it, I don't understand it. And that's where the church is on the Holy Spirit. We don't understand him, so maybe we just... Say, so, well, you stay there until we do understand you. Until we do understand you. But here in the church, the manifestation of spiritual gifts. And if you read this with me now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. I've said this before here, but I want to explain that. Do not want you. To be, he says, I don't want you not to know about it. It's a double thing, you know. In grammar. He said, I don't want you not to know about it, which means I really want you to know about it. Don't avoid it. Actually, as Steve said, as far as the Trinity is concerned, embrace it. We need to embrace the fact of spiritual gifts in the church. Now, I think if we look over the church as a whole, there's just a, a limited expression of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are practically given sometimes because it talks about the gift of administration. Bill does administration in our church and he does it very well. But I'm sure he would agree that really I can't do this without the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, But we talk about the manifestation of spiritual gifts, that's the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to use in the church for the benefit of the church not for my own benefit, all right? This is to the church, and it's for the church. It's not my ministry. It's for the church. So if Dorothy has interpreted Ray's tongue this morning and said, for all God has done in my life, I will worship him, that's an emphasis that the Holy Spirit is making. The manifestation of the tongue is saying we're aware that the Holy Spirit's present in this church, and we just honour The freedom that I have to use this. You say, well, the tongues are the same as that on the day of Pentecost. It isn't the same. They spoke in tongues. When we talk about the spiritual gift, the Bible talks speaking with a tongue. There's a difference. When the tongues were spoken on the day of Pentecost, they needed no interpretation because the people heard in their own language. Within the context of the church, he says if anyone brings a tongue, not speaks in tongues in a known language, if he speaks in a tongue, let him interpret. Okay, let him interpret. Now if it was another language, you'd expect someone else to interpret if they knew the language. But you see, the Bible also tells us that in the context of the church, if someone speaks in an unknown tongue, that's how it defines it it's not known to anybody it's only given by the Holy Spirit so when we hear tongues in our church here, it's part of the Holy Spirit being manifest in our midst it's just as simple as that but you see, this gift has been rejected through the church age year after year after year after year we're saying we don't really want the manifestation of the Holy Spirit because we don't understand it it So, what are these spiritual gifts that we see? Verse 2 You know that when we were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 There are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Not just in the apostles. He works all of them in all men collectively. Verse 7, Now to each one, each one, the manifestation of the spirit is, is given for the common good, the benefit of the whole church. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Now, wisdom's a funny thing. It can be both practical and it can be both spiritual. So don't blur the things there. Okay? To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. When everybody else is in the dark about something, you seem to have a word dropped into your mind. It's called a word of knowledge. And you have, so you bring understanding to a situation. You bring understanding to it. To another, faith by the same spirit. That's a spiritual thing, faith. It's a spiritual dimension. It's not a cerebral thing, it includes the cerebral understanding. But unless I read it and understand it and then believe it, then faith has not been brought into the situation. So faith is a spiritual thing. Halfway through verse 9, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. Gifts of healing. So one would expect healing to be manifest in the church, in one way or another. The writer Paul is writing to a church at Corinth. The church, it's not the status of the church, not its condition. Paul was saying, now the manifestation of the Spirit is. That is in the church context, the manifestation of the Spirit. So the anticipation is that we expect what the Holy Spirit brings and gifts, to healing. To another, miraculous powers. Have you ever performed a miracle? Hmm? <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying you should, because the Holy Spirit distributes to whom he can endow that gift and entrust that gift to and work with it. All right? And it's not for everyone, it's a gift, because we're a body the gifts are given by the Holy Spirit, he determines who he gives it to. And so, like Simon, he saw, ooh, I want what everybody else has got. It's a bad place to be. Because we also need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And remember that it's him who gives the gifts. But if I'm not aware that the Holy Spirit is there and available to me, and I've actually actually received him into my situation and into my life. I will not be led by the Spirit of God. I'll be led by my own mind. Now, God doesn't throw away our mind and our thinking because he gave us minds to think and to do and to, to apply things intelligently. In actual fact, knowing Jesus Christ and knowing the Bible in its entirety actually helps us to do that by the power of the Spirit of God. So we got to miraculous powers, to another... Prophecy, this is in the context of the church. So prophecy is a thing which was deliberately introduced by God into the past to tell people what was going to happen in the future. This is not quite the same here. It's actually bringing the word of truth into a situation. The older prophets, they did bring truth into the situation for a future experience. Well, also present and a future when when they spoke as prophets. But here prophecy is actually speaking and applying truth in its current situation for a specific situation and need. All right, It's the gift of prophecy. To other, the ability to distinguish between spirits to different kinds of tongues and to still another interpretation of tongues. That's what I've spoken about. Verse 11, just to sum this up, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each man just as he determines. So what's the anticipation? What am I to expect in a church that functions with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? We've just read it. Now the manifestation of the Spirit is said Paul. He didn't argue about that, he didn't colour it in any way. He said this is what it is. That's what it is. There's one more thing I want to say, and it's a great Bible truth. And it actually when we come to submission, all right, receiving Jesus Christ as our Saviour brings us to actually to a point of submission. all right. If we bring our baggage, we need to get rid of it. Because it's where I submit to what Jesus has done for me. Now, that we can only do that by the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's our first experience with the Holy Spirit. Now, within the Godhead, within the Trinity, there was submission to each other. You and I have time to do it now. But submission is an important thing. It's where I just lay my all before God and say, I need you, Jesus. It's surrender. Then, this is the one I wanted to mention because I feel it's a point at which many of us struggle with. It says, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. The assurance I need to know that I'm right with God is only by knowing the Holy Spirit and what he does with us. Because you've got something which is spiritual. It's not cerebral. This is spiritual. You say, for years I've been trying to understand and I can't. Well, you need to drop that. Because when we submit and surrender and we receive God's Holy Spirit... It is then that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. You say, well, I've talked to someone about it, and I, can't, I just don't understand it. No, you won't. This is a spiritual thing. It's from God, and he bears witness with our spirits, and it is then that we have the assurance and the satisfaction of knowing who we are in God and that we're right with God. And if you've got any doubt about that this morning, then I'm just going to say to you, I'm going to be at the back and I'm going to pray for people who want to be assured of their salvation and to receive the Holy Spirit afresh and new into their lives. So let's pray. I'm sorry I've gone over time, but it's quite important that we know who we are. And church is not just a ritual and not a routine thing but I have the life that the Spirit wants to give me. Father, if anybody feels, just feel free to interpret. Yeah, if I pray in tongues, Come Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in this place. Come upon us, in Jesus' name. Okay, thank you for that. The freedom that you need is found by knowing the Holy Spirit, because God sets us free. I take that as an interpretation. The tongue I brought. Today, God wants to set you personally, individually, free. Hallelujah. Let's um, have coffee, shall we?